Ira Hamilton Hayes was easily one of the most written about, photographed, venerated, and exploited young Native men in American history. He received more press than Geronimo, Sitting Bull, Crazy Horse, Cochise, and Tecumseh combined. And he fought not against the white people, but shoulder to shoulder with them against the enemies of the United States. He was also in perhaps one of the most seen photographs in American history. The interest in his life was sustained even long after his death. Movies and television programs were made with Ira as the subject, or as a principal character. The use of stereotypes in storytelling is universal and a way of taking a shortcut to the moral of a narrative. Ira was the Indian who fought for America and who lifted the stars and stripes on Mount Suribachi. As such, he personified the ideal of American racial unity against Nazi racism and Japanese imperialism. He, along with a large number of Native people, disproportional to their population in American society by far, somehow made the American involvement in World War II a righteous crusade. Specifically, he was the hero who personified the United States' motto of E Pluribus Unum. But then Ira became an object of pity. His battle with the Japanese over, he began a struggle with alcohol addiction. Since the late 1940s, Ira's life has been seen as a Shakespearean tragedy. He had become a national hero because he participated in the second flag raising on Mount Suribachi during the terrible battle for the island of Iwo Jima. The picture of that flag raising is easily the most memorable photograph of World War II. However, soon after his return from the war, the newspapers began to hint that, like Shakespeare's tragic heroes, Ira possessed a fatal flaw that led to his descent from heroic status to degradation and a lonely death in the desert. In the tale of his melancholy life story, Ira's lethal weakness was alcoholism. The newspapers and magazines of the period fell into using, perhaps unintentionally, the old trope of the drunken Indian to describe Ira's supposed fall from grace. The problem with this inevitable narrative about Ira's life is that it is too linear and based on a few ideas that stem from larger American cultural references. The heart of Ira's story, taken from the perspective of American culture, is that he was a shy young man who joined the Marines to better serve the nation. He went to war, saw the horrors of the battlefield, and turned to whiskey to remove himself from the reality of life. The poverty of the reservation, both before his military service and after, exacerbated his drinking. It is very American to think in these linear terms and put the blame on a perceived lack of individual responsibility on Ira's part. In this narrative, Ira was unable to cope with life in mainstream America and on his reservation. In short, he had neither the drive nor the fair chance to live the American dream. Try as he might, Ira could not avoid the liquor. This is the essence of the drunken Indian imagery. Alcohol consumption is, unfortunately, pervasive among Native American veterans, and Ira was saddled with the brand of being an alcoholic for at least 10 years prior to his death. Alcoholism was even listed as a cause of his death. This book is an examination of Ira's life from a different perspective. His life was much more complex than the simplistic story of the fallen hero lost in his addiction. His people have a tradition of depicting the one they call Elder Brother as a man entering a circular maze. Many Akamel Autumn people interpret the illustration as the twists and turns and roadblocks a person encounters in a lifetime. 
This volume begins with the notion that Ira's life was a complicated journey from his birth to his passing. There were many twists and turns in his life, most of which were not of his own making. Circumstance certainly played a part, but the debilitation caused by post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, lies in the center of the maze that was Ira's story.